at, at school, gotten a whole lot more trouble at home. In fact, I'm in the middle of five kids, and whenever something kind of went wrong, my dad would sit us all down, and uh, he'd say, all right, who did it? And my older sister would say, it wasn't me, and he'd be like, all right. And my youngest brother would say, it wasn't me, and he'd say to my wife, he'd say, do you know who did it? It wasn't me, of course, it wasn't her, right? And, and he would say, it's not me, so that means it's one of you three. And I think, like, I, I, that's how I kind of went through my life, right? And a lot of times, they were probably right, you know, even at school, it maybe have been me that, that was into some things that were maybe a little bit mischievous or whatever. Well, I recently read a story kind of in preparation for this about two young boys and, uh, and their kind of their journeys, right? So these two young guys, man, they kept getting in trouble. They became pretty notorious in their town for getting in trouble. In fact, whenever something went wrong or something went missing, they found these two young boys and they kind of pinpointed them. So they were notorious. And their mom struggled with them, but she'd heard that the, 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 the pastor in town did a great job with with mentoring young boys. And so she goes to him and she says, can you help me with my, with my two sons? And the pastor says, absolutely, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring them into me one by one, right, and let me talk to them each. So we're going to bring in the younger one in the morning, and we're going to bring in the older one in the afternoon, and I'm going to have a talk with them. All right, so the, 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 the young boy comes in, and, he's, and the pastor says, sit down, and takes his seat, and, and, he, and he looks at him, and he says, son, do you know where God is? And the young boy looks at the pastor and doesn't say much. And so he, he amps it up a little bit, right? And now you have to imagine that the pastor is a, a, a big guy and he's got a, a big voice. And he says, son, do you know where God is? Now, I've been on the side of these type of talks on both sides of this, right, where you're interrogating or you're being interrogated, right? And sometimes intimidation can be a really good thing to have on your side. So you get your deep voice and you lean into the, the situation and the pastor does this and he says again to the boy who hasn't answered him yet he says son do you know where God is and the boy doesn't answer but instead he gets up and he leaves the church and he runs through the town and everybody's looking for him and his older brother finds him an hour later in his closet hiding and he says what happened what would what, the pastor do to you he said oh man we're we're in trouble this time See, God's missing, and they think we did it. And I think, like, in our own life, right, you know, I mean, like, so oftentimes God's missing, right, you know, and I think in my life God has been missing at times, and, 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 I, and I get the opportunity to, to coach football, right? And I don't want to get it confused on what I do. I coach football, right? I, I don't try to go out there and, and be a preacher to the guys, but I do have an awesome opportunity to lay seeds into people's lives and, and to connect with them in a way that maybe they're not ready to be preached to, but they're ready to have some seeds laid into their life. I don't know, some seeds were laid into my life through my childhood where at times I wasn't ready for those seeds to grow. But I think we all have those moments in our lives where we have the opportunity to lay seeds and to help uh, and help people grow. So, I, you know, I, I do this, and, and, and we do this, you know, after every, every game, we, we kind of give praise to God, right? You know, and, and I tell you, in football, it's real easy to sometimes uh, give praise to God, all right? You know, when, 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 when uh, things go your way, it's easy to give 
praise to God. And so we, we'll praise God after every game, right? You know, win or lose, right? But I never forget when I became the head football coach at Marietta College, right? I remember in my interview, they asked me, they said, what's going to make you different than every other coach that we bring in? And that was a powerful question to me because if it's going to make you different, you better stand out in your answer, right? So, you know, I never forget what my answer was, and, 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 and I like to use that question when I meet with recruits. And so I met with some I meet with recruits, and I'll ask them, what's going to make you different than every other football player that we bring in? And I get the same answer from most of them, right? You know, I'm going to work hard, coach. It's like we'll be the hardest working team in the country with you guys, right? We're all separating ourselves that way. But, you know, I, I don't always get that answer. I get some different answers. So I get one answer from a young man that I absolutely loved. Right? And I loved it because it was unique and it was his and it was passionate. And he said, Coach, I don't think what's going to make me different will be anything to do with my, my speed or my strength or my abilities. I'm great in high school, but I realize it's going to be amped up in college. But what I think is going to make me different is that I love football. It's who I am. I love everything about it. I love the challenges that football presents. I love the, the passion that you have. Obviously, I love games, but, Coach, I love practice. I love working out. I love the camaraderie. I love the competition. And it's like, oh, man, I love you, right? You know, so I wish we all were that way. But I remember what my answer was, and my answer was, was quite a bit different, right? But it was, it was, hey, listen, I'm going to give my life to this program. And I meant that. And what I meant was I didn't mean that I would retire but as you, uh, from, from Marietta College, but I meant that I was going to give all sides of who I was. It was going to be my identity. It was going to be more than my identity. It was going to be my family, my passion. I was going to share my, my wife and my family with the team, and it was going to be ours. And we were going to love the members of that team as if they were members of our extended family, right? And I, and I can tell you that, like, I have shared my my hardest days of my life, I've shed tears with my football team. And it didn't have anything to do with a football game. Shed some tears for some football games too. We've celebrated together, and some of those celebrations didn't have anything to do with a football game. But I realized that I was all in. I was all in. You're going to get my good and you're going to get my bad and you're going to get all of who I am. I'm giving my life to this. And I wanted our guys to kind of embody that. You see, when I took over as a football coach, I, I came from a team that was 10-0 and and I went to a team, or a ten, we were 10-1 uh, and I went to a team that was 0-10. Uh, and, and so the challenges were different and I wanted to kind of communicate to guys what it took to win. So we came up with this slogan, and our slogan was fight. Fight. All right, so we hashtag a lot of things fight, and when you hashtag things, for those of you guys that don't know what a hashtag is, um, 
you click on something on social media and anybody else who puts that same hashtag, all that stuff will come together. So when you click on the hashtag fight, you get people actually fighting, which was never what I wanted us to do, right? You know, but I think that there's, uh, there's a, a great visualization in the fight that you can all kind of grab a hold of here, right? And in the fight, right, you know, just envision, right, you know, somebody taking a punch, Right now, like, the worst guy to ever get in a fight with is not the toughest guy. Caleb's here. He's a big dude, right? He's a nice guy, though, right? You know, so Caleb, he's a, he's a, he's a great guy. But it's somebody who's, who's absolutely intense, and, he, and, and he's fearless, and he will not be stopped, right? You know, that's the guy who you don't want to fight, the guy who's all in, the guy who takes it on the chin and takes it in. He's got a bloody nose, and he's continuing to come at you. That's the last guy that you want to fight. And we weren't going to be the most talented team. We weren't going to be the most gifted team, but we could be some guys who are all in and can go and fight. And so we push that message to our guys. And then I love the acronym piece of it. And the acronym there, you can see the words up there. The F stands for fearless. Put the ball down. We will show up and play anybody, anywhere, anytime. And we want to live our lives with that mindset because I think so often times in life, fear gets in the way of you achieving your own destiny and your own greatness. So don't be afraid. You can be nervous. Nervous and excited almost feel the same way. I think about the energy that I have before every big game right? You know, every game, right? And it's got something going on in my stomach. And I think, holy cow, am I nervous? Maybe a little bit. Am I excited? Absolutely. Absolutely, right? You know, think about the big things in your life, right? You know, I remember as a kid kind of getting nervous to go talk to girls, but, you know, I still did it, so I must have not been too afraid. I remember when I met my wife, and I knew immediately that she was the one. I really think that, like, God spoke to me immediately. That this was the one that I was meant to be, right? And I remember being still a little bit nervous to call her, mostly because... I thought, holy cow, her dad might actually answer the phone. That's a problem that dating in 2022 you guys don't have, you young people, right? But I actually had to call her, and, 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 but I was excited. I was excited to talk to her and excited to, to take that next step. But you can't be afraid if you're going to go and reach your destiny. The I stands for intensity, and intensity is an amazing thing. It's the energy that we have, that intense drive, that intense focus, that intense passion. And when you have intensity, I'm telling you right now, it is contagious, and it will spread through the people in your life like wildfire, right? It will spread through it worse than COVID. So we want to have intensity, and you see emotions on a football field go up and down, right? And when the momentum swings happen and you're on the right side of that, man, you can do awesome things. So we want to be at our best. So we want to have that intensity to maximize who we are and let it be contagious in our lives and into other people. The G stands for grit. And those people that know me know that grit is like my favorite word, all right? Because grit is the process. And the process is something that we can all do. Grit's the process. Now, I'm a Bengals fan. I know, like, you know, Jeremiah's a Bengals fan, and we got some other Bengals fans. I'm sure that we have some Steelers fans. I'm sorry. Some Browns fans. I mean, I don't know what's going on there, but, um, but the Bengals would score a touchdown last year, and they would do a dance. And the dance was called, you know, the Gritty. 
The dance was the gritty, and the gritty has nothing to do with the grit, right? We're not talking about doing the touchdown dance. We're not talking about holding the trophy. We're not talking about the celebration or the glory, right? We're talking about the process. It's the everyday mechanics that it takes to go be the best football player you can be. It's the diet. It's the workout. It's the, 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 the film study. It's the practice. It's the regiment, right? And you don't get to the glory overnight, right? The grit is the inching forward in the process that other people aren't willing to do and you inch forward every day to be the best version of yourself and a little bit better than what you were the day before. The, R, the H stands for heart and heart is love, right? You know, you see somebody playing hard, me like that guy's playing with heart. It's like he loves the game. So we want to create a culture where we love the game of football. That's what, that's what we're doing, right? We're coaching football. So we want to create that culture. And inside that culture, we want to love the people in that culture, right? We want to love the guys on our team. So we have this culture of love and heart, right? Guys are willing to do Think about the things that you love. What will you stop you if you love? Right? What will you be stopped if you love something? Right? So we want to love the game and we want to love the people that we're, that we're playing that game with so that we can be at our best. And the T is toughness, right? And I think about toughness and what is toughness? Toughness is the linebacker coming up and... Hitting the guy, right? It's the guy on the kickoff running down the field and hitting somebody. It's the old lineman getting out and blocking down field and knocking somebody down. But it's also the guy who got knocked down who gets back up, right? It's the quarterback kind of blocking things out and throwing the strike. It's the kicker who, who makes the kick, right? And I tell our guys, right, you know, and, and I believe this, that toughness shows up in the physical side of your life. It shows up in the mental side of your life. And it shows up in the emotional side of your life. So we want to be tough. And we want to give praise. And when you do all this stuff, right, you know, and, and you say, hey, listen, I'm all in. I'm all in. I understand there's going to be some sacrifice. I understand there's going to be some pain. But I'm going to be fearless, intense, have grit, heart, and toughness. You're going to win games. And when you win games, it's awesome. It's awesome to go out and beat VW 62 to 56. That was a great game. Praise be to God. He was with the Pios, right? You know, upset Heidelberg, right? You know, a top 25 team, and we dominated them, right? It was awesome, and it's awesome to give praise on those days. And it's awesome to give praise in our lives when we have new milestones, right? You get the new job or you get the promotion, or the raise, or you've been waiting on that house to come available, and you, you, you've dreamed about it, and you get the keys, and you move in. Praise be to God, it's awesome, right? When you're with your friends, and they're loving you, and you're loving them, and you guys are doing stuff together, it's awesome, man. My life is good. Praise be to God. When you have a crush on somebody, and you call, and her dad doesn't answer, praise be to God, Right? When your kid that you love, right, does something great that they love and they reach their own new heights, right, and you see them thrive, whether it be in, in art or sports or song or whatever it is, and you see them thrive and you see them at their best, praise be to God. I tell you what, you, you, you probably get more praise be to God on Facebook and Instagram and all the other social media platforms when somebody brings home a new child, right? You know, and you look into the, 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 the eyes of a new child, right? And there is something extraordinarily pure and perfect and exciting about that moment, right? You know, and you're like, holy cow, God is good.
God is good. But it's a lot harder to praise God when you do everything right for 59 minutes and for one minute everything goes against you and the other team kicks a 45-yard field goal to beat you by two on the last play of the game. It's hard to praise God. It's hard to praise God when you lose in overtime. It's hard to praise God when you have the ball at the two-yard line in the final minutes of the game against a team that, that you've never beaten and you fumble the ball. And it's hard to praise God when life doesn't go your way and you don't get the job. Or worse yet, you lose the job that you have. Or you don't get the new house. Or worse yet, you can't make the payments on the house that you have. Or you've got the talent, but you face the injury and you can't move forward. Or your kids aren't quite the ones that you dreamed of. And they struggle to read or to do math or to learn. Or they're not as athletic or they have a disability or they have cancer. Or you lose track of friends. Or you feel rejected and not loved. It's all hard to continue to... to to love God. I know for me and my wife, one of the, the challenges that we had, right, my wife is going to speak in, in two weeks, and I promise you our stories are different. She's not a football coach, so you won't get any of that, right, you know, but our stories are different. She's going to do amazing, and I encourage you all to be back in two weeks to hear her story, and, and Carrie Jean had a bone marrow transplant, so we always knew that children might not be easy for us, right, you know, but we but we, we, we always had faith because the doctor said, no, you have fertility, right? So we, we, we always hoped that we would have children. But, you know, the first month goes by and we don't get pregnant. And it's like, you know, that's normal. The second month goes by, it's normal. The third month, it's fun trying, right? You know, and then the, 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 the sixth month, right? You know, and, 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 and each month goes by and you face this disappointment and it's hard to continue to give praise to God and a year goes by and it's hard to give praise to God and 18 months goes by and it's hard to, to give praise to God and after time and meeting with fertility specialists and trying new things and those new things not working, it's hard to give praise to God and it's a reminder every month after years of trying we were eventually blessed, and on Easter, made a public announcement that I had found the egg. Happy, birth, or ha happy Easter from the three of us, and that was an exciting time, and it was awesome, and it was absolutely praise be to God. God was working in our lives, and he was good, and we were like every other family, right? You know, we wanted we did all the blood work tests and stuff like that, come out with any diseases, and they said, listen, your, 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 your child is perfect. And we could tell you if you're going to have a boy or a girl, all right, if you want to know off the blood test. And I said, well, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll find out, right? You know, so the doctor said, 
congratulations, you're having a boy. And I said, how do you know that from a blood test? And he said, well, see, if you have a Y chromosome in the blood, a female doesn't create the Y chromosome, so she's getting that from her son in the womb. And so this is like 100% accurate. And I said, that's awesome, we're having a boy. And my wife said, well, what if you have a bone marrow transplant? He said, it doesn't matter. And so I went around and I told everybody, not everybody, I told our family, I said, we're having a boy. And my wife said, I'm not so sure that we're having a boy. I kind of think that we might be having a girl. And my family would say, Andy, why do you think that you're having a boy? And I said, because the doctor said, we're having a boy. Eventually, you know, we got to the point where we had the ultrasounds, and the ultrasounds showed that, uh, in fact, she was right, we were having a girl. And we did all the stuff that, that every excited new parent does, right? You got the crib ready, and we had prayed for this for so long that we put up the sign, you know, above our bed. This was our miracle, so our miracle child, right? This is such a big miracle and such a little girl. Such a big miracle and such a little girl. And everything was normal throughout the whole pregnancy. And she's nine months along. She looked similar to what Becky looked like if you saw her earlier. And, and uh, we had a bye week on September 12th, right, that was September 13th was a Saturday, September 12th was a Friday, we had a bye week that week, we had one week one, praise to be to God, and I was at home, and it was around lunchtime, and Carrie Jean went to the bathroom, and she said, man, I have a little bit of blood, so we went to the hospital, we just drove into the hospital, and they got us up to the prenatal unit pretty quickly, and they started running tests, and everything looked pretty normal, but she had this loss of blood. So the doctor pulls me out of the room, and she says, uh, well, this is what we think happened, right? We think that there's a, a, a partial placenta tear. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead, and we're going to deliver the baby C-section. And I was like, all right, awesome. When are we doing that? She said, we're doing that today. Congratulations. You're going to be a dad. And I was excited, and we walked back into the room where Carrie Jean was, and pretty quickly, the mood had changed. See, the baby's heart rate had fallen, and they were no longer inviting me in, but they were rushing Carrie Jean into an emergency C-section. And I'm left alone. Both of our families are from about two and a half hours away. I think I called them and let them know what was going on. And I'm left alone, and I'm praying, and, and, uh, and uh, I'm seeing people come from all ends of the church, or all ends of the hospital, uh, into the emergency room. But I'm, I'm not in there, right? And I continue to pray, and I think back to those prayers, and, I, and, and you know, it's were really intense. And at some point in my prayers, I remember my prayers changing. And my prayers were no longer for everything to be perfect, but my prayers were to be able to accept God's will. 
and understand that everything might not be perfect. And my prayers were to be strong for my family. Eventually, the doctor came out. And she handed me my baby girl. And my baby girl was beautiful. And she was perfect. And my wife was still asleep. And they asked me if they wanted me to tell her or for her to tell her. And I was holding my daughter and my wife's hand when I told her that our baby was with God and not with us. I feel like God spoke to me in my prayers. And I remember meeting with somebody and I told a nurse that I would be fine, but my wife would never be the same. I'm a little off script right now, so I apologize. But I tried hard to never cry in front of my wife because I needed to be the one that was strong. And I would go and cry by myself. But I always found a real, a real ease in my daughter's name. See, my name's Andrew. And Andrew, when you look up meanings of names, means strong and manly and I like to think that that fits me all right and my daughter's name and we had named her long before she was born my daughter's name was Arlie and Arlie was short for Arlene my 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 wife's grandmother's name was Arlene and we wanted to kind of honor her but like make it her own and it was Arlie and I looked up what Arlie meant and Arlie meant a promise. And I love that. A promise. That's so cool, right? We named her this before she was born. We kicked around a bunch of different middle name ideas, and eventually we settled on Grace. And we always wanted to have a double name. My wife's name is Carrie Jean, and we wanted to go by Arlie Grace, right? The double name, just like her mama. And um, Grace has a few different meanings, but in the King James Bible, the word Grace stands for a free and unmerited favor of God. A free and unmerited favor of God. A promise of the free and unmerited favor of God. See, my little girl, I found, I found that God talked to me in her name. And he promised me that she didn't have to earn her way into heaven. Jesus earned her way into heaven. And she would be there, but she didn't have to deal with all the troubles of this world. 
And God talked to me that I have grace too. I'm a sinner, man, and I, I, I've done things that I am not proud of. I've done things that I wonder how I can be forgiven for, but I pray that God does that in my heart and gives me grace too. And he gave me the promise of that grace through my daughter's name. Carrie Jean, I think, has a different relationship where God talks to her. And she's told me a few different times that she's been deep in prayer and God gives her, you know, sometimes she'll ask for, for a song and God gives her a song. And I know there's so many of you that God talks to you in your own way through music or, or through song or, or whatever it is. And the song that came playing was Hope in Front of Me. The lyrics go a little like this. I've been running through rain that I thought would never end, trying to make it on faith in a struggle against the wind. I've lived the dark and broken places, but in my soul, I know I'll be all right. No matter how bad it gets, there's hope in front of me, there's a light, I still see it. I think when we pray, you know, God will talk to you. He'll talk to you through a friend, in silence, in a song. When you pray, God listens. And when you listen, he'll speak. And when you believe, God will go to work. I was reminded of that through her name. I also told, like to share the story of Job really quickly. Job was a man in the Bible who loved God and, 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 and God loved Job, right? You know, and God blessed Job. He gave him servants and land and camels and sheep and oxen, and he gave him 10 children. And, and, and eventually, like, you know, the, the devil said to God, he said, Job only loves you because you've blessed him. Let me do with him as I will and see if he continues to love you as I have my way with him. And, and, and God says, that's fine. You can take everything from him, but don't lay a hand on Job. So God took his children and his oxen and his sheep and his, and his servants, and he took everything from Job except his wife, and I think that may have been part of the devil's plan. And he gave him boils. And Job, while like heartbroken and crushed and wondering why, he continued to stay faithful to God. And eventually, God stayed faithful to Job and he blessed Job again. Only in his blessing, he didn't just return to Job what he had before, but he doubled his bounty. He gave him double the oxen, double the servants, double the land, double the bounty. This is my family. The little girl's name is Hope, Lynn. My wife will talk a little bit later on, but like 
Our son's name is Spencer, who was after the, the family that saved her life. And Arlie Grace and the promise of God's love. As you go through your faith and your journey with God, I'd ask you the question that was asked to me on my interview, and that's a simple question. What makes you different than every other Christian? And I could tell you that going to church is probably not enough, and I need to hear that myself, right? I'm not like trying to stand up above everybody else. I need to hear that myself, but I know that that's not enough, right? You know, are you like the young boy who said, I love football, and you say, I love the church, I love God, I love coming and worshiping and giving my best to it, giving everything that I have, I love that. Or are you like me who said, this will be my life, and I'll give my good days and my bad days, and I'll share my journey with you. And what's your fight? See, as you go through being a Christian, there's a fight. You're going to take some, right? Nobody said that this was going to be easy. And the Bible is, is, is filled with so many stories of people who go through hard times. And I know that our story is not unique to us. It just happens to be ours. But I know that there are those people here that are broken and that have been through hard times and are going through hard times. And, and, and I get that, man. What's your fight? It's not easy. you got to be all in. You have to have the bloody nose and keep going forward and not give in. It's right there. You have to be fearless. The fearless, man, it helps you to achieve your destiny. When you meet God, you can't be afraid. You can be a little bit nervous, a whole lot excited, but you can't be afraid. Are you intense about your love? For Christ, right? Because if you are, it's contagious, it's infectious, and it will spread throughout your life to those people that are around you. Do you have the grit? That's the journey. That's the everyday relationship with God, right? It's the praying. It's the reading. It's the worship. It's the silence. It's the love. And you don't get from zero to glory, but you inch forward every day. Do you love the people that you share your life with and that you share your Christ life with and that walk? Do you have heart for them? Because when you do, you'll achieve at a higher level. And finally, are you tough? Real toughness can come in a lot of different ways. But real toughness boils down to one thing. Whatever challenge that you have, that challenge will not defeat you. So it's easy to see in football, right? The fullback's coming in the A-gap, and the linebacker hits him. Most of you probably don't know what the A-gap is, but I think that you can follow along with my visual, right, you know? It's easy to see in football, but in your life, what challenges come your way, they will not defeat you. They will not define you, but you will continue to defeat them and be all in. All in.